Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins uh, and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Bishops Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley are fastened together in history, primarily because they were fastened to the same stake on October 16, 1555, on the north side of Oxford. Both Latimer and Ridley lived during the reigns of four English monarchs. Both witnessed the Reformation's tug and pull under Henry VIII's tentative acceptance. Edward VI's warm embrace, and Mary I's violent resistance to reformed doctrine. Latimer, born around 1485, distinguished himself as a fervent reformed preacher, at times enjoying Henry VIII's favour for it, and at other times fearing his persecution, depending on the king's mood. Latimer assisted Archbishop of Canterbury Thomas Cranmer in reforming the Anglican Church, and he also preached like a man who just couldn't stop. Then in 1553, Queen Mary came to power, and Latimer was sent to the cell in the Tower of London. Ridley, nearly 20 years Latimer's junior, was born around 1502 near the border of Scotland. Throughout the next five decades, he would become one of England's sharpest intellects, even going so far as to memorise all the New Testament letters in Greek. Ridley left no clear account of his passage from Catholic priest to Protestant preacher. We do know that he renounced the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation by 1545, when he became the Bishop of London in 1550, he replaced the stone altars in London's churches with plain wooden tables. According to Ridley, communion was a spiritual feast, not a sacrifice. Ridley studied, preached, and once Edward VI took the throne, threw himself into Cranmer's reforms. But then Queen Mary came to power, and Ridley joined Latimer 
in the tower. On the 16th of October, 1555, after spending 18 months in a tower cell, Latimer and Ridley met at an Oxford stake. The two men talked and prayed together before a smith lashed them to the wood. Ridley was the first to strengthen his friend. Be of good heart, brother, for God will either assuage the fury of the flame or else strengthen us to abide it. As the bundle of sticks caught fire beneath them, Latimer had his turn. Raising his voice so Ridley could hear, he cried, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. Three years later, Mary I died and passed the kingdom to her half-sister Elizabeth, a Protestant queen, and Latimer and Ridley's candle burst into a torch. Well, good morning, friends. Now, if you don't know my name, which some of you don't because I don't know your name, uh, I'm Steve Dinning. Now, two things to know about me if we haven't met. Uh, firstly, my wife Anne and I have been coming here for about four and a half years. The second thing to know is one of my favourite Christian singers is a guy called Robin Mark from Northern Ireland. He has a song called Men of a Certain Age. You perhaps know if you're a man of a certain age. Here's the, uh, the chorus. But who told you to quit? Who said to step down? Who said to stop running? Who said that the time had been called on your day? Who said the anointing had been taken away? The battle is won. The kingdom is come. It's time to stop, start running. So pick up that baton and get back in the race. Men of a certain age. Now this song resonates with me because I recognise that at my age, I'm 51 years old, I'm a man of a certain age. A certain age where I feel a sense of, uh, I can be distracted and weighed down or discouraged in running the race, the race of Christian faith. Uh, In some respects I, I look back and I don't think I'm running with as much vigour as in previous ages. Sure, I haven't dropped the baton and stopped running altogether, but as I, as I look at my faith expressed in action, I don't think it's as vigorous as in previous ages. So for the past few years, this song has been on regular rotation on my music playlists. So pick up the baton and get back in the race, men of a certain age. But I don't think you have to be a man of a certain age for this song to resonate with you. I think you can be a woman of a certain age and this song resonates with you. Because the, uh, the ups and downs of life, the twists and turns of life are or have, t- they're taking their toll on you. And sure, you haven't dropped the baton and stopped running. I mean, after all, you're here today. But there's, you just have a sense that, yeah, my faith expressed in action isn't as alive as it used to be in previous ages. Um, But even still, my guess is you actually don't have to be a man or woman of a certain chronological age for this song to resonate with you. You could be 25, you could be 55 and 95. 
in chronological years, but in faith years, in how long you've been following Christ, you may be quite young. You may be a couple of years old or five, ten years old and yet still you, you have this sense that, yeah, my faith coming through in action, even in the short time I've been a believer, perhaps it's not as alive as it once was. So whether you're a man or woman of a certain chronological age or faith age, it's good you're here this morning. But if you're a man or woman of any age and this song doesn't resonate with you, it's still good you're here this morning. Because we're going to be looking at a great cloud of witnesses from Hebrews chapter 11 who ran with perseverance the race set before them. Because we know we are alive when we're running by faith. So this brings me to the, the sermon in a nutshell. If you want to know the sermon in a nutshell so that you can nod off for the next 20 minutes, listen up for the next 30 seconds. We know we are alive when by faith we are running with perseverance the race set before us. Since, because by faith we know that God has promised us something so much better in Jesus Christ. So by faith, others have, races, have run this race before us. By faith, we run this race together now. So that's where we're heading. Want to fall asleep? Now's your chance. I won't tell anyone. But if you want to stay awake, that will help me. So let's dive into Hebrews chapter 11. If you're familiar with it or if you're not familiar with it, it's often called the heroes of faith. It's a roll call of Old Testament people of God who've lived by faith. Either side of chapter 11, uh, the author has the theme of perseverance running. So at the end of uh, chapter 10, towards the end of chapter 10, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what's been promised. And then at the start of chapter 12... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. In the flow of Hebrews, the author could have gone from chapter 10 and jumped straight into chapter 12 without missing a beat. But he doesn't. He pauses and inserts this roll call of the faithful out of the Old Testament to inspire us, to encourage us, to challenge us. He says, look at these men and women of faith and see how they persevered by faith. Now, we didn't have the whole chapter read, but if, you, if the whole chapter was read or you're familiar with this chapter, you know by faith, by faith, by faith, jumps out of the page about 23 times. By faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Rahab, as the author recounts their acts by faith. So what I'm going to do, uh, before we actually look at the passage we heard read, I'm going to paint for us how by faith works in this chapter. Uh, the author starts off with a kind of a summary statement in the opening verses. It's not, a, it's not everything the Bible has to say about faith, but it's uh, how the author sets up faith for his chapter. Let me read this to you. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, uh, Old Testament, were com uh, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, was, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So that's how he opens and he begins the roll call. Now how by faith works, there's three aspects to how it works in the chapter. Firstly, it's by faith in God. 
the Old Testament faithful weren't commended for having faith itself. There's nothing particularly commendable about faith. There's nothing even anything particularly Christian about faith. We all have faith in something. It's not having faith that counts. It's what our faith is in that counts. And so um, the, the, the ancients, these heroes of faith, are not commended for having faith itself. They're commended for having faith in God. The God who acts and speaks in this world. Firstly and majestically in creation. And then definitively and once for all in his son, Jesus Christ. Now this also underscores for us that by faith in this chapter is not faith in ourselves. You know, faith in yourself, the common mantra of our day. Faith in yourself, it's the theme of every single Disney movie for the past 30 years. Have faith in yourself, it's always that theme in in the story of the perennial loser becomes a winner. These heroes of of Hebrews 11 didn't do what they did because of faith in themselves. No, they did what they did because of of faith in God. They weren't living out of Disney faith, they were living out of Christian faith. And so a writer, Philip Hughes, puts it, Faith is the response of all who are conscious of their own weakness and accordingly look to God for strength. We're conscious of our own weakness, so we direct our faith to strengthen God. So, by faith in God. Second aspect, by faith, it's trusting the promises of something better in Jesus Christ. Uh, The heroes of the Old Old Testament uh, trusted God that God would promise, they would deliver on His promises, even though they didn't get to see the fulfilment of these promises. But they trusted that God, through His Messiah, was going to deliver something so much better for them. And this idea of better runs through the author, uh, runs through the letter of Hebrews. Uh, so, four quick examples: a better high priest. Jesus Christ is our great high priest who gives us grace and help in our times of weakness. We have a better identity. Our identity is forgiven and reconciled children of God. We don't have to follow the mantra of our age and try to find our identity somehow from within ourselves in all our brokenness and weakness. A better home. Life with God and His Son now, life with God and His Son forever. So we have a better hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our solid hope in the face of death. The reality for these Old Testament heroes was they didn't get to see and experience these betters. Some of them got a little taste, but that was it. Yet by faith, they trusted that God would deliver on his promises. That in Christ Jesus, in the Messiah, uh, who they hadn't seen, one day in eternity, they would see and receive these betters. So by faith in God, by faith in God's promises through the Messiah, these Old Testament heroes took action. They acted out of this faith. They picked up the baton and got in the race. So here's a diagram to capture what I've just said. I appreciate it this early in the morning and perhaps the state of our knees hurtling over a hurdle may not appeal to you. But you get the point. The Old Testament heroes, with faith in God, 
faith in the betters took action, picked up the baton and got running, step after step after step. What was true for them in that regard is true for us. We'll come back to this diagram um, in a little while. What we'll do now is uh, (coughs) zero in on those verses that were read for us in 32 to 40. Uh, And the flow of the chapter up to verse 31, the author's been going through individual after individual, but he's running out of time. So he's like, okay, we've got to speed this up. And so he picks up the pace and just reels off a quick succession of names and then a whole bunch of deeds. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read, and it divides into two sections. The first section is heroes who triumphed by faith. Verses 32 to the start of 35. Heroes who triumphed by faith. I'm going to read those verses again. As I do, when the names are read, do any acts of theirs come to your mind? Or when you hear of acts and know a name is attached to them, do those acts or feats bring someone to mind from the Old Testament? So, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered mountains and ministered justice, conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life. Uh, one that, you know, for King David immediately jumped out of, to me, you know, teenager David, killing giant man Goliath. In terms of unnamed, you think of closing the mouths of lions or Daniel in the lion's den. But what also came to mind for me and perhaps for you, if you, if you know some of the Old Testament history, was the failures of those six men named. I mean, so for example, from the book of Judges, Samson was an egotistical womanizer. Uh, Jephthah made this incredibly stupid, foolish vow that he said, Lord, if you give me victory in battle, when I return home, whatever comes out my front door first, I will sacrifice that to you as a burnt offering. And he comes back from win and he wins. And then who runs out his door? Not a what, a who his daughter. And he still goes ahead with a stupid vow. David. Yes, teenager David killed Goliath, but King David has adultery, commits adultery with Bathsheba and then murders her husband Uriah to cover it up. So I may think, how come the author can, can have these as heroes of faith? Let me say a couple of thoughts on this. Firstly, it's not a full summation of their life and character. And certainly what the author is not doing is turning a blind eye to their weaknesses, their failures, their disobedience. Or he's not doing some sort of equation where their acts of faith somehow cancel out or outweigh their acts, their sinful acts. The biblical writers never use that equation. What the author is drawing attention to is that even though these men, these people were deeply flawed human beings, by faith... They were able to do mighty acts. By faith, they were able to triumph. Because their faith wasn't in themselves. Their faith was in God and his promises. In their weakness, they turned to God for strength. Now, I think this is instructive for us too. It can be, I think it's hopeful for us too. 
do you ever labor under your faults? Do you get weighed down by your guilt over for where you see you're not living up to the calling Christ has for you? Or do you think there's no way I could ever be a hero of faith? I have too many doubts and too many questions, too much uncertainty. Well, make no mistake, yours and my faults and disobedience and weakness and the like are real. Yet by faith in God and his promises, we can do mighty acts. We may not slay Goliath, but we can triumph in everyday life in the challenges that we face. And remember, when we do fall and fail, and we will, we can go to the throne of grace, where our great high priest is willing to meet us in our time of need and give us his grace. We can imagine he, he says to us, my spirit is alive in you. You are forgiven. You are alive. Here is the baton. Pick it up. Get back in the race, my child of any age. Heroes who triumphs by faith. Second half of this little section, the author changes gear uh, to look at heroes who endured by faith. Heroes who went through are suffering but endured by faith. Now, the, the, those verses, the second half of 35 to 38, uh, the suffering cited make for heavy reading. Torture, mocking, chained, imprisoned, stoned, soaring to, homeless, mistreated, abused. And what's been true of God's Old Testament people has been true down through the centuries for followers of Christ up until and including today. They also signal for us that facing trials and sufferings on account of our faith in Christ is part and parcel of this life. Let us not make the mistake of saying, by faith we will always triumph. Let alone the even grievous, more grievous, damaging mistake that if we suffer, if we're going through hardship or a dark season of the soul, it's because we lack faith. No, men and women of faith will suffer on account of their faith. It's not because of a lack of faith. So I, as I read that list in the pages of history and people like Latimer and Ridley and hear of what believers experience in other parts of the world today, I always ask myself the question, how would I endure through that? It just seems so foreign to my experience. Would I be able to endure by faith? Uh, what's, what's your response? Again, our author wants to stress for us that the, when believers in, endure, it's by faith. It's not by faith in themselves. Uh, example, again, Ridley and Latimer. I must confess, when I heard that, read, when I saw it during the week, what came to mind was um, that when they, Latimer and Ridley were being quoted, you know, the kind of the stiff upper lip Englishman in the war movies? Or even Thor from the Avenger movies, you know, the accent Thor speaks in? It's kind of like, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. And this, we shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. They didn't endure that suffering because of a stiff upper lip or Thor, you know, having a Thor-type hammer. They endured by faith in God and his promises in Christ. They were weak. They looked to God for strength. 
whatever trials and sufferings we have experienced or are experiencing or will experience, whatever the nature of those trials, they may not be life-threatening, but they're very real for us. You and I can't endure them in our own strength, but by faith in God, we can endure and trusting in the promises. Because God's Spirit is alive in us. He says, here is the baton, get in the race, I'm with you. My child, my daughter, of it, my son, my daughter of any age. So the author rounds out the chapter by putting the Old Testament heroes, his readers and us and all Christians in the one boat heading for home. Um, so... These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So to finish this, I want to try and just briefly land it for us today as we walk out of this building, as we get up and get into life tomorrow. Because I I know as I read through this, even still the heroes of faith just seemed a bit too remote. So what does it look like for us? Let's get back to that diagram. I've added a few more runners. So say you, you could be the top runner. In that, you, do, you know, at life in the moment, you're doing pretty well. By faith, you're taking those steps. You're persevering. But perhaps you're the next runner down and there's a challenge you're facing or a tough season. There's some doubts that keep plaguing you. You've got some big decisions to make and you feel you're, you're kind of teetering. Or perhaps you're the third runner and you're kind of really flat on your face, you're weighed down, you, you fall and there's either it's something to do with your own uh, you know, disobedience and how you're approaching life or perhaps just life's knocking you down due to no fault of your own and you're just feeling flat. Or perhaps you're kind of in the runner number four and you feel like you're out of the race altogether. And perhaps you feel like you can't get back in or you don't deserve to get back in. Where are you at at the moment? Where are you at today? And then as you hear me say from Hebrews 11, run with perseverance, what's your reaction? Steve, I'm exhausted. The tunnel is so long. What I'm facing is so big and complex. I compare myself to other believers, let alone the heroes of chapter 11. I just don't think I can do what they do, be who they are. It can be overwhelming to, to think so far into the future to, the, to how you're going to get out of what you're facing or to get to the, the end of the line, to get to the, the finish line. It can be too overwhelming. Sometimes we just, we just think, I'll just, I can't do it. So I think a, a, way of, a helpful way to think of it, to look at it, is by faith, what does my next step look like? By faith, what does the next two steps look like? If that's where I'm heading, and sure, I've got my eyes on Christ, but it is just so overwhelming seeing what's between here and there, how do I take the next step? And what do you need to take the next step? Um, what will it help you take the next step? So, Lord Jesus, in faith, I ask you by your Spirit to give me what I need. Perhaps you you need to grow in a more fuller awareness of something of God's character. Perhaps you need to to grasp firmer the betters uh, Jesus has for us. 
Perhaps you just need some incredibly deep wisdom in how to navigate. Perhaps you, you need to do some, some uh, kind of more research in how does this issue of life and how does the, the story of the Bible interact with this issue. Perhaps you just need tangible resources. Um, and, and who around you do you need to support you? Whatever it is, uh, Lord Jesus, what do I need to take the next step? Please give me what I need to take the next step. It's a very quick example. Uh, when I was um, <coughs> in one of the churches, I was a minister, and uh, Sally, not a real name, Sally, late 20s, um, she, her marriage had gone through some yeah, very tough up and down times uh she had tried a number of times to try and work things out with her husband reconcile uh, they had three young children and uh, she would check in with me and others about where how things were happening and the next steps and then um <clears throat> one time she asked could she come and see me to check in and then i got another lady gill who she knew and respected were both older than than sally and so then we, we met with her and it was at the stage where the husband had uh, definitely gone off and was now living with another woman and so she was facing what do I do next in terms of separation and divorce how do I take those steps as a believer what does that look like how do, what does that look like for me in terms of then you know raising the kids by myself what does that look like in terms of if down the track should I want to get into another relationship and so she she met with us to, to just to talk that through to sound it out but also for Sally, her family had been through an incredibly difficult five or so years. Um, one of the things being they lost one of their siblings, uh, died unexpectedly. And I'd just known what Sally had been through and just known how Sally had, had just keeps sorting to turn up. Uh, turn up each day in faith and take that next step. And as Gil and I were talking to Sally, I said to Sally, look, actually, I'm incredibly encouraged. Your faith encourages me. And how you're trying to work this through, step by step, what does the next step look like? She had her eyes on Christ, but gee, there was a whole lot in between. How could she take the next step? What was needed and who around her could take that step? As you prayerfully consider your next steps in whatever it is you're facing, um, you can remember we're not alone. By faith, we're running with each other. Who do you need alongside you to run with you? Or who can you, who can I run alongside someone else as they seek to work out the next step? And just a quick side note on our personal heroes. Um, we all, I think we a lot of have them. People, other Christians we look to who we admire and respect and have learned a lot from. Can I ask us to honour and thank them? Uh, if you haven't told them, tell them. Bring them up, write them a note, take them out for lunch. Uh, tell them the impact they've had in your life. Don't wait till you're at their funeral and you're talking to a fellow mourner saying how much that dead person meant to you as a, as a hero of faith. Tell them while they can still hear you. Because chances are they won't consider themselves a hero of faith. Yet you telling them how they've helped you can then help them to keep persevering. And then uh, give thanks to God and glory to God that he puts each other in our lives to help us run by faith because when we run by faith, we know we're alive. We know we're alive when by faith we're running with perseverance the race set before us. 
Since by faith we know that God has something so much better for us in Christ. Next Sunday we have the resurrection as the guarantee of God's promises. By faith others have run this race before us. By faith we run with each other now. What I'm going to do on on our behalf is pray for whatever next steps you need to take. So let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, you know each of us in in the room now, you know where our lives are at, you know the challenges, the discouragements, the the battles, the good seasons, the seasons where we're growing, we're making progress. We pray for all of us now, wherever we're at, that you would help us identify and then resource us, equip us, empower us to take the next steps by faith, knowing that you have run the race before us, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.